0: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for
1: the glory of God.
2: Hi, I'm Brennan Ward.
1: And I'm Ron Jorlock.
2: We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Chuck Lawless. Dr. Lawless serves as Professor of Evangelism and Missions, Dean of Doctoral Studies, and Vice President for Spiritual Formation and Ministry Centers at Southeastern Seminary. He has been married to his lovely wife, Pam, for over 25 years, and just recently celebrated an anniversary. Is that that correct?
0: I did actually the 30th anniversary, so it's far over 25 years.
2: (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's great. Well, brother, we are so thankful for you joining our conversation today.
0: It's good to be with you. Thank you.
2: So today we're going to be talking about pastors and evangelism and what a fitting conversation this is to have right now, especially with recent news as COVID restrictions are beginning to mm. uh, continuing to lift and we're starting to see at least somewhat of a, a normal uh, coming back. So my first question is what are a few things pastors can do to help equip their people for evangelism and to encourage them to go out and do it, especially as we're we're getting into this this new normal again.
0: Sure. Here's here's the easiest way for me to answer that, Brandon. Is I've studied churches for twenty five years now in North America and around the world, and I have I have never seen a strongly evangelistic church without a pastor who leads the way. I've mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Pastors who aren't doing evangelism aren't going to push very hard for it. They're not going to preach a whole lot about it. Uh, but, But pastors whose hearts bleed for the lost will lead their church to do something. And so I think it begins with, and in some ways ends with, is the pastor modeling evangelism. Is he doing it? Not because he has to, not because he's getting paid to do it, but because he genuinely believes that people are lost without Jesus. He wants them to know Jesus, and that's so much a part of who he is that it naturally comes up in his sermons, it comes up in his prayer request, and folks see him modeling, and I trust that somebody will want to follow his lead. So it, it starts with modeling for certain. Hmm.
1: Hmm. So how can pastors help their people overcome any hesitancy to share the gospel? Uh, you know, perhaps they've got uh, unbelieving neighbors, or they've got unbelieving coworkers, and so on, and, and they just don't want those relationships to get awkward <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> once they start talking about Jesus, and you know, once we once they start bringing religion into the conversation, and so on. How do you how do pastors help uh, people overcome those hesitations?
0: I think we have to think about uh, almost on a spectrum from from one to ten. One being uh, this this uh, church member is not doing evangelism at all. Ten being this church member is is the apostle Paul in our in our time. And I think sometimes when we want to move them to be evangelistic, we want to move them from a one to a ten overnight or with the with one program. We're gonna do one program, you show up on a Saturday, we're gonna train you for a few hours and you'll move all the way up the spectrum. And it just doesn't happen that way. I I think we have to help people move up the the spectrum from one to a two and two to a three. And I, I think that begins with First of all, just helping them see their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their family members who aren't believers, genuinely seeing them as lost. Mm-hmm. And that, that comes back to teaching. It mm-hmm. comes back to helping people understand what does the Bible say about the lostness of human beings so that, so that they begin to see others as sheep without a shepherd. Because until they see that, they're not going to do evangelism. And then we've got to teach our, our members how to develop relationships with, with those folks, uh, inviting them into our home, having a meal with them, at least talking to them across the yard, not ignoring the people who, who live around us. So we begin by seeing them as they are, getting to know them. I think we have to build prayer into this. We're praying for God to open up a door for the word is what, is what uh, Paul says in, in Colossians 4. Uh, that God would provide a way to speak the truth of the gospel into somebody's life. And so we're seeing people as God sees them. We're getting to know them because they're created in the image of God and need Jesus. And we are praying for them and praying for an opportunity to get to share the gospel with them. All of that, I think, has to be part of this process.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So So you mentioned a little bit about how to kind of gauge where individuals can be, you know, 1 to 10, and then kind of how to get them, it's not an over-the-night to 10 uh, process, uh, but but how can pastors evaluate their churches as a whole when it comes to evangelism? You know, are, are pastors looking at the total number of people that are coming to know Christ? Are they looking at the, their people through the, the relationships they're cultivating in and out of the church? I mean, how can pastors get a sense of how well their churches are doing evangelistically?
0: Well, I do think we have to ask the question, how many people has my congregation reached for Christ over the past year? I don't think we can ignore that question. I, I get it that sometimes we, we raise those questions, and we want to raise those numbers, and so we, we push the gospel on people. I get it that sometimes we, we can become idolatrous of numbers. But I think we can become equally wrong when we don't ask the question at all. Are we reaching people and making disciples? So I want us to ask the question, how many people have come to know Jesus through the ministry of this church? But I don't want us to stop there. I think we can also evaluate how many people are praying for non-believers. Go back to my previous answer. How many people are intentionally praying for non-believers? How many in my church are intentionally in relationship with with non-believers to get to the place of sharing the gospel how many people have been trained at some level to, to share the gospel what percentage of our active attenders know how to share the story of Christ and then how many are actually doing the sharing it's, mm. it's one thing to train you it's another thing for people to do something with the training yeah. and so I do want us to ask the question how many are we reaching but there are other questions we have to ask to gauge our evangelism
1: mm. now pastor come on now You know that we have paid you to do all the evangelism. (laughs) That's why you're here. Right. And so that's why we've set up, you know, Friends Day <laughs> where we bring in our neighbors and our co-workers to church so that you can share the gospel. I mean, my goodness, you know, uh, what what you're just going to go off golfing now, you know, <laughs> while all of us are, you know, are doing all this evangelism. We're doing your job. What what you know what I mean <laughs> when, sure, I, when I say sure. that uh, what 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 is your. Um, Uh, What is your counsel, uh, not just to the pastor, but to the churches who think that it's the pastor's job to do the evangelism, and and that's not for, for them to do as the members?
0: Southeastern Seminary's mission is to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Almost all of Southeastern's degree programs are available fully online, so whether you're in your living room or the classroom, you can receive high-quality theological education. Get equipped wherever you are today for wherever you're called in the future by visiting sebts.edu. Use the waiver code PASTORMATTERS. All caps, no space, and Southeastern will waive your application fee. Yeah, a few responses to to use your illustration, Roger. I would not discount things like Friends Day and uh, invite your neighbor because there is something about if I'm not doing evangelism at all, but I can get to know my neighbor, know my neighbor's lost. I can somehow convince my neighbor to come to church with me where he hears the gospel. I I want us doing that, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not throwing that out the window. Uh, So let's celebrate that and use those those opportunities. I, th- I think as we teach the Word, we have to help people see that when Jesus is talking to His disciples and to the followers, the crowds that He speaks to, He's not speaking to, to just an elite group of people. He's speaking to the crowds, calling them to follow Him, calling them to, to make disciples. And so yeah, this, yeah. this mandate of the Great Commission is there for, for all of us. What I would say to pastors is two things I would say. One... Stop worrying about getting the whole church involved in evangelism. You're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. Work on one or two or three people. Uh, find a few that have some level of passion and and invest in them and help them know how to how to share Christ so that you're not convincing people that it's their job as much as you are showing that there are those who are getting on board. And the more lay persons I can get involved in doing evangelism, the more I'm showing my churches. That's the way it ought to work. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say to pastors is this: sometimes, uh, sometimes pastors make the choice to do it all themselves, mm-hmm. because honestly, it's, sometimes it's easier for me to speak the gospel to somebody. Um, Or it's easier for me to share the gospel with somebody who's already come to my church and filled out a visitor's card uh, than it is for me to get into the messiness of the lives of my church members and equip them to share the gospel, uh, lead them to evaluate their own lives so their own lifestyle brings credibility to the gospel. Sometimes it's just easier for us to do it. The problem is that's poor leadership and it's not really making disciples. And so. Mm while it's easy to say the church expects me to do it all they paid me to do it sometimes sometimes we foster that attitude and we have to be willing to do the hard work of, of making evangelists out of our out of our church members yeah
1: if i could add something on top of all of that uh, when your people are sharing the gospel and they you know they let you know about that share their stories uh, praise them publicly uh, in your Sunday morning gathering or wherever. You know, uh, take the time to praise them uh, uh, and, and affirm them uh, as they are following Jesus uh, in taking his gospel to their neighbors. Um, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of times we we have a tendency as pastors to uh, to criticize mm-hmm. when our people aren't doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and we're really slow to praise our, our people and to, and to encourage them. When they're doing what right. <laughs> what the That's Lord right. has told them to do, and so uh, uh, if you're going to bring that kind of energy when your folks are uh, when your folks aren't following Jesus, you got to you got to go at that same level when when they are. You know, uh, praise them even even more uh, loudly and uh, and boisterously.
0: Yeah, I agree. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if if I have a church member who leads somebody to Christ and that new believer's being baptized, we want that new believer to share his or her testimony. Maybe maybe that new believer writes it out, however you do it. I would love for the one who led that person to Christ to share that testimony. Let mm-hmm. them tell mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Let that person be in the baptismal waters with the one who's a new believer. So you are you are celebrating both the conversion and the obedience in doing evangelism.
2: Yeah. It's right there for us. We just have to do it strategically.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a beautiful picture, too, of just having the person that, that led the individual to Christ baptize them. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, so we talked a little bit about prayer. What role does prayer have in evangelism and missions?
0: It's a great question. Uh, and it's uh, it's pertinent because too many of us do ministry first and pray second. Mm. We We do and pray with our leftover time. But when I look at the task of evangelism and missions, of getting the gospel to non-believers and crossing cultures to do that with folks who've never heard of Christ, I'm reminded of, of the Apostle Paul's descriptions of non-believers. In Ephesians 2, they are, they're following the, the prince of the power of the air. In 2 Corinthians 4, they're blinded by the, the God of this age. In Colossians 1, they're in the domain of darkness. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, they're in the, in the devil's trap. Acts 26, they're, they're under the power of Satan. And so I, I read all of those descriptions and what we recognize is the task of evangelism and missions is stepping into the enemy's territory with the light of the gospel, mm-hmm. which means we can't do that. We can't free people in bondage. Mm-hmm. We can't open blinded minds. God does that. Mm-hmm. And so that means we have to cover this whole process in prayer. And when we don't, we're trying to accomplish something in our own power, and it, and it just doesn't work. And I fear that sometimes sometimes we don't start praying for non-believers until they give us a little hint that they might be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they respond a little bit affirmatively. So now we crank up the praying. Well, just maybe their hearts would be more open if we would pray even while their hearts are hardened. Mm-hmm. And, and then I don't want us to miss the Apostle Paul's calling the believers in Ephesians six and Colossians four to pray for him that he would speak the gospel boldly and clearly, and God would open up a door for the for the word. What what would happen if our folks prayed for each other, practically, intentionally, regularly? God give them boldness, give them clarity, give them opportunity. We held each other accountable, even while we're praying. For non-believers Paul said my heart's desire my prayer for Israel is that they would be saved so we're praying for one another to share the gospel we're praying for God to open up blinded minds what might happen if our church is built on that foundation of prayer and mm. preaching the gospel it's 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 absolutely necessary that we connect prayer and the work of evangelism
1: mm-hmm. how can we pray with uh, with stamina? Uh, how can we pray with hope for for someone uh, that's close to us uh, that doesn't know christ um, you know how, how do we pray for uh, like like i know and, and i'm sure you you've got some uh, examples too of of friends or family members who have been going for years maybe even decades of praying for a lost spouse or lost parent or child or or so on how how do you cultivate that uh, uh, stamina in praying for the loss.
0: Yeah, I love I love that question <laughs> because of my own my own story. Uh, we prayed for my dad for thirty six years before wow. he became a believer at age seventy one. Mm. Uh, he's he's now been with the Lord for a number of years, but the last three years of his life were dramatically different because of the gospel. My mom, we prayed for my mom forty seven years, and just last month I had the privilege of baptizing her. At age seventy-nine, wow. uh, and the Lord just grabbed her heart. And honestly, guys, if if I if I wrote what I would want to see happen in a changed life, I could not have put into words what what I see in my mom. It is unbelievable what God <laughs> has done through the wow. through the gospel. And here's and here's what I've learned: God doesn't operate on our calendar. He just He just doesn't. Uh, and the the good part of that is uh, and I, I love learning this lesson when God finally answers the prayer you don't worry about the delay anymore mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care it took 47 years for my mom to get saved God answered the prayer in his time and that's that's the way I think we have to press on as long as God gives them life we've got to pray for opportunities and pray for God to change a heart and know that we serve a God that longs to save people, mm-hmm. and will indeed do that. And so we keep praying, we keep trusting, we keep loving the people who don't want to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we keep reminding them that we love them. We keep those relationships intact, and trust of the Lord will do something in His in His time. What an encouragement to keep mm.
2: pressing forth mm. in prayer.
0: Yeah, it's been fun because I tweeted a picture of me baptizing my mom. And uh, I've had pastors, I've had missionaries from around the world uh, contact me to say, I'm, I'm using that picture and I'm telling the story of your mom to, to my church and the, and the fellow missionaries who are, who are pounding their head against the wall sometimes trying to reach mm-hmm. lost people. And they just need a little bit of hope. And, and so I, I get to tell my mom, and my mom's; she's a brand new baby believer. But I get to tell her, "Mom, your story is going global, <laughs> and God's God's already using you as a, as a witness." And that's absolutely amazing to her. Uh, but it's it's fun to just be along for the ride.
2: Mm. I love it. So good. Mm. So we always well we try to always have a spot dedicated for books because if there's one thing that all of us love in this room, uh, that's books. The average pastor loves books. So what are some books that you would recommend to pastors listening right now who are looking for additional resources on evangelism and missions? Books to help them lead their churches, but maybe even some resources that they can recommend to their members uh, to help try to cultivate and ignite some type of uh, love for, for evangelism and missions.
0: Yeah there are, there are a few resources our, our colleagues uh, Scott Hildreth and Steve McKinnon have, have written a second volume of Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out mm-hmm. designed for personal study or group study uh, well worth uh, looking at how do you how do you just build this into your into your life Randy Newman has a book entitled Questioning Evangelism that that's a good resource for figuring out how do you how do you answer questions how do you ask questions in leading people to christ john piper's let the nations be glad is is a a classic that reminds us of the the call to get to the nations and at at the risk of seeming self-focused it's not my intent here the book that that i most enjoyed writing is a book called "Nobody's for jesus uh and it's just a real short book nobody's for jesus the subtitle is 14 days to a great commission lifestyle and and the whole premise of the book is One of the reasons we don't do evangelism is we've gotten over Jesus. Mm. Wow. We we want to be somebody. Mm. And when we want to be somebody, it's hard for us to proclaim Christ. Mm. But if we come to the place to say, I'm okay with being a nobody, as long as Jesus is magnified, when our fervor for Christ increases, you can't help but talk about Him. Mm. But when our fire goes out, we try to programmatically... Get people to re-engage lost people. And so we're we're trying to train people who've lost their fire and who don't know lost people anyway. And the programs just don't work then. let's Let's return to our fire and our passion for Christ and we'll do more
2: evangelism. Uh, well, that will do it for today, Dr. Lawless, brother. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of today's conversation. Uh, we want to thank you for just giving us your time. Um, And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If this episode was helpful in any way, consider leaving us a review. Uh, We would love to hear your feedback. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation.
1: And as always, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.